Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, here we have Paul. He is boasting. I know that sounds bad. It's not a bad boast. It's a good boast because his boast is in Christ. But then at the same time, the reason why he's boasting, it's he mentions in verse one, it's not profitable for him. It's There's no advantage to him, but he has to. He has to. It's because of the Corinthian saints, because of the church. The reason why is because, do you remember? So we're six years deep. First Corinthians, that's a letter that was written uh, uh, three years after the birth of the church. And another set of three years uh, that Paul writes his second letter to the Corinthian church. And so we're three years or six years deep, but we're three years after the first letter. So do you remember when in our study in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, how Paul says, I can't speak as to spiritual people. I have to speak as to babies. You know, you guys are babies and I have to, I can't speak about deep spiritual things. You guys are still carnal. And so it's sad. It's beautiful and it's sad. It's sad because of the arrested development and we see the cost, the toll that it took on the church, the separation, the division that happened. And it's sad, but it's also beautiful because now the remnant is isolated from the leaven. The leaven is removed. And it's beautiful in that regard, but it's still painful because it came at a heavy cost. This division that we've seen in the church in Corinth. Now, here we are, another set of three years, and you see a little bit of the humanity of Paul as he takes use of this boasting Now, this boasting is in Christ. His boast is in Christ, but at the same time, it's like, come on, guys, let's let's not make the same mistake we did at the first set of three years. We're in the second set of three years, and I don't want you to get caught up in that trap anymore. I don't want you to get caught. You know, I'll speak like grade-wise, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade, in the span of three years. Instead of going first grade, second grade, third grade, and then back to kindergarten or back to first grade, like happened in first Corinthians, it's almost like saying, okay, we're first grade, second grade, third grade. Now let's go to fourth grade. Let's move on to fifth grade and sixth grade. Let's move on. Now you hear us make mention of the defunct pastors in our study in first Corinthians, the defunct pastors. Now, how Paul says in, in, in to the first Corinthians, you guys have a thousand teachers and how it translates is you guys have a thousand preschool teachers. But he acknowledges himself as their father, spiritual father. The way he words it is it, the way it translates and the way he uses it is like you, you guys have passed through my birth canal. Now, don't think anything carnal when I say that. But he's male. He doesn't have a birth canal. But he speaks of his love for the saints. You know, like you guys, you guys are like my children. Like I gave birth to you. Now, remember in Acts 18 when, you know, Paul comes into town and what happens is that, you know, the birth of the church in Acts 18. And then you see Acts 19 and 20 and Paul and his holy bubble, they're traversing the land. And, you know, the Lord is moving mightily, mightily. Just remember our study through the book of Acts. Now, 
In that environment, there were false teachers, false brethren, pastors who became wolves. There's all kinds of different aspects of spiritual warfare that we remember from our study in the book of Acts. Now, when Paul is boasting, it's not advantageous for him, but he has to because of the saints. It's because of them. Remember in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, how there were these people. Who are these people? There were these people in chapter 10, verse 10, saying, oh, Paul is weak. He uses all these words and he speaks like this, but he's such a weakling. He's got these little noodle arms. And he's, you know, he speaks like he's a, an authority, but he's no authority. Now, who were these people? Who were these people, number one, and what kind of division did they cause inside the church? A bad division. Now, there is good division in the church. And I'm, when I say good, it's painful, but I mean good, the separation from uh, the whole and the, uh, or the, the, the remnant from the leaven. But there's another kind of division that can come in, and that's a bad division. That's a carnal division, just like was in First Corinthians. I mean, First Corinthians, when people were saying, oh, I'm a Paul, I'm a Cephas, I'm of Apollos. That's the bad division. But the good division is to separate from the immoral, the sexually immoral, the drunkard. That's the good division because you're separating away from the leaven, just like we see the leprosy in the Old Testament. The leprosy is outside the camp, not indefinitely. The leprosy is outside the camp in the Old Testament and until that person is clean again. And when the person is clean, they come back in the camp. Well, it's the exact same concept with leaven. Exact same concept. Remember, the Lord never changes. And so there was these people, chapter 10, verse 10, 2 Corinthians. Paul is such a weakling. He speaks like he's a tough guy, but he's just a little guy. Who are these people? And remember, in chapter 11, verse 4, it's the preacher guy. The preacher guy who enters in with a different agenda. Speaking a different Jesus, speaking in accordance to a different spirit. You see? And then also in chapter 11, verse 3, what we studied last week is his concern was that their minds might be corrupted. Corruption of the minds of the saints. And in chapter 11, verse 4, he says, you might even put up with it. You see how dangerous it is for the babies I meant, you know, you have the stranger danger, you know, parents teach their kids stranger danger, you know, don't talk to strangers, don't talk to strangers. And rightfully so. Don't talk to strangers. But then at the same time, as Christians, baby Christians, you know, don't talk to strangers, don't talk to strangers. Well, what happens when they bring in strange fire? You see? What happens when they bring in strange fire? Oh, I got to exercise, you know, Christian values and I have to be loving. I have to be, you know, I have to take this guy in. I have to listen to what he has. Look, he's a preacher. He dresses like a preacher. He has the 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 script, the, the uh, certificates on his wall. Oh, certainly he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a preacher. But what are they bringing in? What is the doctrine that they're teaching? Stranger danger. Are they bringing in strange fire? Are they bringing in strange fire? Things that do not align with scripture. Now you see when you hear us mention how dangerous it is to be a baby. Babies are beautiful. Babies are beautiful. But you tell a two-year-old child who just learned to walk or a one-year-old child who just learned to walk. You're going to say, hey, you know, go uh, uh, go get me a cup of coffee. And go go to the, 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 the nearest coffee joint and give me a, get, go get me a cup of coffee, you know. Extra foam. Well, that would be stupid. It's dangerous for the child. The child needs adult 
accompaniment. The child needs adult protection, guidance. But spiritually speaking, now this remnant of Corinth, yes, they're more mature. Yes, they grasp deeper things than 1 Corinthians. This remnant in 2 Corinthians, they're more mature, but at the same time, the threat is always there. The threat is always there. You see? Paul says in chapter 11, verse 4, you guys might even put up with it. The preacher guy who enters speaking about another Jesus in accordance to another spirit, you guys might put up with it. In chapter 11, verse 15, you know what he calls them? Servants of Satan. Ministers of Satan. We studied that last week, spiritual warfare. You see? Also in chapter 11, verse 29, Paul says, I burn with indignation. You see? I burn with indignation. You see? And so also in chapter 11, verse 18, because you have this church which has this, the saints of Corinth that haven't made it past third grade, so to speak. And I'm just, you know, we're, we're uh, three years deep in the first letter and in another set of three years, the second letter. They haven't made it past third grade yet. So it, I mean, if, I'm just talking in year-wise. Consider it like grade school. First grade, and then you matriculate to second grade, and then you matriculate to third grade. And three years later, from Acts 18, the birth of the church, Paul discovers that instead of being in third grade or ending third grade, the church hasn't matriculated. They're still in first grade. And so he writes 1 Corinthians. You see? And so now the church has to, they separate the division from 1 Corinthians 5, the separation from the immoral, the carnal believers, separate from them. And now you have this remnant of Corinth, which has been taught deeper things. They've had opportunity to apply deeper things. And so you see 1 Corinthians as instead of being stuck in first grade, they actually applied this remnant in second Corinthians. They've actually applied the lessons of first graders, second graders, third graders. And now we're another set of three years. And Paul, you see the desire of Paul, the strong desire of Paul to say, okay, you've never made it past three years. Spiritually speaking, you've never made it past three years. We're six years deep. But, you know, academically speaking, if I can say that, you should be in sixth grade by now, but you're in third grade now. What is it that's preventing you from going from third grade to fourth grade? What is it that prevented you from going to first grade to second grade initially, first Corinthians? But now, what is it that's preventing you from going to, from first grade to, or from third grade to fourth grade? What is that thing? Now we understand how he brings up spiritual warfare. Satan, demons, you see, servants of Satan, people in human form, but they're not even, they're not even, they, they, they are on the enemy's side, defectors from truth, you see, false brethren, we, we, we look at false brethren, false teachers, false pastors, false prophets, you see, and not the Holy Spirit. They have a spirit, certainly, because they're, uh, you know, uh, they open themselves up to the pneumos. Remember our study in First Corinthians? 
But what spirit? You see? They're bringing up another, they teach another Jesus. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of Antichrist, Satanic, which is alive and well and is going to amplify his attacks in these last days. The Antichrist spirit, which is alive and well today and growing, amplifying his efforts. It's all Satanic. So now you see Paul is not carnal, but yet you see this boast of his, but his boast is in Christ. And it's not because of him. It's because of them. It's because of the saints, because of the Christians. Just like we see with Moses. Remember how Moses, when we studied, just so happens that we studied this on Wednesday. It just so happens. As a little side note, I don't believe in coincidences. But it just so happens that we studied this on Wednesday where Moses was like, look, you know, the Lord is mad at me, but because of you, on your account, because of you. He's not passing the buck. Moses wasn't passing the buck. Like, you know, blaming how like liberals today, they blame, you know, like, why did you do this? Oh, it's your fault. What? You made the choice. It's, how could it? You know, they, they, they pass the buck. Everybody passes the buck these days. But Moses, he was actually right. Like, you know, God was mad at me, but look, it's because of you. Paul, same exact thing. A little, not angry, but you see a little bit of not carnality, but he's going to exercise this boasting, and his boast is in Christ, but because of the Christians, because of the saints. Look, you know, there was something that prevented you from going from first grade to second grade the first time, the first letter. And you could say the false teachers, the false prophets, the uh, uh, servants of Satan. You could, there's definitely that aspect. But then you also see the aspect of the defunct pastors, the defunct elders. Where were they? You see? They might have talked a nice game. They might have talked a good game. Oh, yeah, we're spiritual warriors. We're spiritual warriors. But look, they were defeated. Everybody likes to talk a good game. Oh, tough guy. Everybody likes to talk a tough game. Until it's time to, until the fists start flying. Until the bullets start flying. Everybody's a tough guy. Same thing in Corinth. Get the pastors, the elders. Oh yeah, spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. The enemy comes. Look at, they were babies. And the baby, look what happened. It's beautiful to be a baby in Christ, but make sure you're a baby. Don't stay a baby. You know, it's beautiful to be a baby if you're a brand new believer today or last week or last month. Two months? Eh. I'd say, okay, come on, let's, 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 let's hold my hand, let's start walking. Come on, let's start walking. You know, spiritually speaking. Two months in, see, there's people today who are babies. They've been believers, they've been Christians for 10 years and they're still babies. It's sad. And I don't say that to shame it up. If that's you, you have to be straight up with yourself because that was, that was me, you know, 25 years ago. And then like three years in, I realized like, man, I'm still a baby. And there was the fruit of it too, the nasty fruit of it too, lukewarm. But you have to be straight up with yourself. If, you're, if you've been a believer for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and you're still a baby, and there's a lot of them today, a lot of them today. You know, have you ever talked with somebody about spiritual things? And they're on board, they get it, they understand but then you go another level deeper and they're just like dumb, like deer in the headlight. Their eyes are like deer in the headlights. Like, what are you talking about? And you're just kind of like, wow, like, you don't, you don't get it. You don't, you don't understand. Now, 
That's not to be prideful and be like, wow, look how awesome I am. No, it's not to be prideful. Remember the rugby match? The rugby match from our study in Romans? No, it's not to be prideful. It's to say, okay, come on, hold my hand. Let's grow. Let's grow together. Let me teach you this. Let me teach you this. Let me teach you this. Let's pour. Let's let the Lord pour into us. You see, it's not the. It goes both ways. It's not for the the learned. Remember, the, the knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not for the learned to say, "Oh, look how awesome I am." No, it's to say, "Okay, let's let's get down to business here. Let's study." And then, so the learned learns humility, and the unlearned learns maturity you see and that's the spiritual rugby match just like we studied in romans that's the rugby match and we grow together it's beautiful but you have to be straight up with yourself you have to be straight if you are a baby in christ repent don't be a baby anymore and you have to look at the fruit too because i tell you this from experience the fruit of a baby is pretty ugly the fruit of a baby is pretty ugly it's not good you see and paul is saying look we're three years deep again now you're no longer first graders you're no longer second graders you're no longer well you're at the end of third grade but we got to get to fourth grade now we got to get to fourth grade now it's like you know a coach at halftime a coach is at halftime and the team is not losing but they're behind a little i mean they're losing but they're not like you know it's like zero to 50 you know they're they're behind and you might see a little bit of sternness with the coach the coach comes in you know the 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 players come in they're kind of bummed out their demeanor is kind of low and it's like oh man we're losing and then the coach comes in kind of drives a point home you say whoa he's so mean he's so mean no he's not mean it's the same team it's to say, come on, let's let's move on to perfection. Let us lay aside those things which so easily ensnare us and let's move on to perfection together. As one body, the koinonia, the ecclesia, the hagios. And so we see in verse 1 here, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It is doubtful, it is doubtless. Not profitable for me to boast. For me. It's not saying like, you know, it's not profitable for us to boast. There's certainly that aspect. But Paul is exposing a little bit of his humanity. It is doubt, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. It's not advantageous for me to boast. But he's going to do it anyway. Just like we studied last week. Remember in uh, 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 last week in uh, uh, verse... Um, 16 in chapter 11 verse 16 let no one think me a fool if otherwise at least receive me as a fool that I may boast a little you see and Corinth is guilty of putting up with fools in, in, in chapter 11 verse uh, uh, at the end of verse 4 when he says you know these people these preacher guys they come in with a different spirit speaking another Jesus in accordance to a different gospel and you may well put up with it you may well put up with it. But then what does he say in, in, in verse uh, 19? You put up with fools gladly. 
Instead of saying this preacher guy with another spirit speaking another Jesus and presenting a different gospel who's a servant of Satan, instead of saying this guy is the fool, this preacher guy is the fool, look what he said. You guys, you put up with the fools. I mean, instead of because of the gift of knowledge, which is a gift of the spirit, instead of exercising this gift and saying, wow, this guy, this preacher guy, he's a servant of Satan. He comes with another Jesus, another gospel. This guy's the fool. Instead of saying that, Paul is saying, you guys are putting up with the fool. You guys are putting up with the fool. That, and that's very common today because a lot of what happens in the church today, oh, we got to be loving, let's love and, you know, let God take care of the rest. It's absolutely a Christian value and a Christian command to love. Absolutely to love. We're called to love. We're called to be gracious. We're called to be merciful. We're called to be forgiving. But never, 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 never in the Bible are we called to be stupid. Never. We're not called to be stupid at all. The gift of the Holy Spirit, knowledge. We have to be Bereans and study the word of God. Because the preacher guy is going to come in and say, oh, look, the Bible says this. No, it doesn't. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to pastors and elders. The Bible says this. No, it doesn't, pastor. No, it doesn't, elder. Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Okay, show me. Show me. Okay, let's look over here. They open up their Bible. Let's look over here. And nope, that's not what it says. Pastor, look, I got my Bible too. Let's look at it. Here, I won't even use my Bible. I'll use your Bible. Look, it says this. You see? We have to be Bereans. And I don't say that boastfully. If I boast, if it seems like I'm boasting, number one, I have no idea who you are. I have no idea who you are. How can I boast when I don't know who you are? What's the boast? Now, I know what a little bit of you guys, <laughs> but where's the boast still? <laughs> you see, Paul, like you guys, you guys, this guy is the stupid guy, the preacher guy. He comes saying, you know, I'll go ahead and take the mark of the beast and, you know, you'll still be saved. The preacher guy who says, oh, let's go grave soaking. Let's go lay on the grave sites of these Christians so the Holy Spirit can soak up from their dead bodies through the through the uh, coffin through the earth and it can soak up inside of us come on guys let's go let's go grave soaking you see oh no god is done with israel the promises of god are for the church now for christians god is all finished he's all done put a lid on it all done with uh, israel you see oh we're supposed to be loving we're supposed to be loving look you put up with fools. Oh, let's let's read this guy who has his coalition. Let's read this guy who has his coalition who says God is done with Israel. You put up with fools. Oh, let me read this study Bible of the guy who says it's okay to take the mark of the beast and I'll still be saved. You put up with fools. Gladly. You got a big old smile on your face. Oh, yeah. Let me read this study Bible and, you know, go ahead and take the mark of the beast because, you know, this guy says it's okay. Put up with it gladly. You know how many people put up with false doctrine? Gladly. You know how many people put up with false teachers? Gladly. False prophets? Gladly. Fake brethren? Gladly. A lot. But what is it? 
that's going to get us from third grade into fourth grade. We have to have this understanding from Holy Scripture. You see? In chapter 11, verse 18, seeing that many boast according to the flesh. Now you see something like, wait a second. Many in Corinth, many of the saints, they're starting to boast. You see, the, you're starting to see the works of the flesh creep itself up again. We're three years in again, the first set of three years, and now we're in the second set of three years, and now you see, wait a second, the works of the flesh are starting to creep up again inside of this remnant. It's a constant battle. You think Satan's going to stop fighting against you? You think Satan's going to stop his efforts just because you're in second grade? No, he's going to kill. I mean, academically speaking, take an elementary school. Where you got to say it's one of those joint schools where you have like the preschoolers, the same school. You got preschool, elementary and high schoolers. Say it's one of those schools. And you got like the preschool, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever high school, you know, like 12, all the way up to 12th grade. <laughs> now, now say you're looking at the span of your academic life in, in, in that school, preschool to 12th. Do you think Satan is not going to attack you in any one of those years? No, he'll attack you multiple times in every single class. Preschool, multiple attacks. Kindergarten, multiple attacks. First grade, multiple attacks. Now, prayerfully, in those younger years, there's uh, the adults, the more mature to protect the young ones. You see? Now, Second grade, third grade, fourth, fifth, as we matriculate together in Christ, we're going to have more warriors. Lord willing. Lord willing, but you know, you, you have a role to play too. And what is that role? To lay aside those things which so easily ensnares. Oh, I want to mature. I want to mature. Oh, but what? Look, my best friend called me. He's got the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. I think I'm going to go hang out with him and do some crack. That's... That's an attack of Satan. That's an attack of Satan using your friend who is not a believer. If you have friends that are non-believers, they open themselves up to be servants of Satan and to drag you down. I know that's hardcore, but it's the only way to live. Now, it's not to say like, oh, you know, your friends are going to burn in hell and let's forget about them. No, your friends without Christ are going to burn in hell. Let's rescue them. Let's straight up rescue them. Family, friends, co-workers, everybody. But we have to be wise. We cannot be stupid. We have to grow. We have to mature in Christ. Satan is, will, will attack you. Most Christians are not prepared for the spiritual fight that exists today. But as Satan amplifies his, his attacks, even it even amplifies the point that most Christians can't fight this fight, spiritually speaking. I say I don't say that pridefully or boastfully. I say that sorrowfully. It's sad. And the church will take casualties, and we already are taking casualties. Jesus Christ even mentions that the church will take casualties. He says, no flesh will be saved, even the elect, unless those days be shortened. You see? That's, that's what's going to happen. It's, 
I could say if it hasn't already started, but that's what's going to happen. Now, now we understand what this boasting that Paul speaks of. Chapter 12, verse 1, it is doubtless not profitable for me, not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I love this so much because, you know, so many times you hear people say, Oh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that was for another dispensation, the moving of the Holy Spirit, what you read in the book of Acts, that's not for today, that was for 2,000 years ago, it was for the first century church, it was for the early church, for the saints and, you know, the, 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 the early church, it's not for today, never in your Bible will you read about an expiration date of the Holy Spirit, never, never. These people, the so-called learned class, they come up with these conclusions. Do you know why? They have no power themselves. And because they have no power, they make excuses. Oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. Look, the Holy Spirit doesn't work like this for me. So therefore, he's not around anymore. Therefore, there's an expiration date. And that was for another dispensation. These people are fools. Fools. The stupid class inside the church. Now you say, well, how can you say the stupid class? It's, I'll say it nicely. I'll say it like Paul says it. If that, if that rubs you the wrong way, I'll say it the way Paul says it. Idiotes. Idiotes. Where we get the word idiot from? It's the unlearned ones. You see? It's because they have no power themselves. And because they have no power... They start to put these expirations, the expiration dates on the Holy Spirit. You see, there's no expiration date on the power of the Holy Spirit. Visions, Paul says in verse 1, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, turn with me really quick to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2. Verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Oh, but prophecy, that was for the first century church. That's not for today. But the Bible says, look straight up, verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. You see, what, what aspect of these passages, do you, do you see how dangerous it is to adhere to the idea that the, the Holy Spirit has an expiration date? Because as we get further and deeper in the last days, and these people who have no power and arguably have no oil, What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to those who have no oil for their lamps? Now, biblically speaking, in accordance to the parable of the Lord, Matthew 25, they will be left outside where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, that's so mean. How could you say that? I don't, I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger. I don't say it. I just echo the words of scripture. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Oh, but he doesn't work that way anymore. The Holy Spirit. Look, look the Bible says here, I will pour out my spirit in the last days. 
Oh, but that was for 2,000 years ago. It was only for the first century church. It's not for today. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Which, remember, the gift of prophecy, a gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, these people who speak such things, they're not just dangerous. They're babies themselves. I mean, if when I say dangerous, I don't mean like false brethren. I mean dangerous because they're babies. In some cases, they might be false brethren. Depending on the, the entirety of their doctrine, they might be servants of Satan themselves. More is uh, needed to understand and make that, uh, to, to discern and make that determination whether or not they are servants of Satan. But, you know, you want to align yourself with somebody who says it's okay to take the mark of the beast? It, it begs the question, by what spirit does such a person say such things? It's dangerous to be a baby. If you wanted to grow and learn, say for example, we're, 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 you're listening. You and me, you and me, we're in third grade. Academically speaking, say you and me are in third grade. We're best friends. And we're learning, we're studying. You help me, I help you. I get a B on my test and you get an A and you help me. Next time I get an A and you have, we have another subject and you get a B and you know I help you and we both get A's and we're just like, wow, we're, we're the best of friends. And then we're looking forward to fourth grade. Like, man, I can't wait to get to fourth grade. We're gonna learn this, we're gonna learn that. We get our first day in class and a little baby comes crawling in as the teacher. Little baby comes crawling in with diapers and little binky, but little binky in one hand, a little bottle in their other hand, it comes crawling in, and you know, that's our teacher. We're so eager to learn, we're so eager to go into fourth grade and learn fourth grade, and this is our teacher. What? Like, I used to be like that, but that was like a long time ago. Do you remember that? Uh, what could this, what, what could we learn from this guy? What could we learn from this little baby? You see? And that's the state of the church today. And I say that with all due respect to the Lord because it's his church. But I say that with all due respect to the Lord. It's true. You have babies at the pulpits. You have babies leading Bible studies. You have babies as elders. They don't understand these deep spiritual things. They say, oh, let's go grave soaking. Now, those are our servants of Satan. They put glitter in the rafters and they say that's the whole, they, they drop the glitter down when the cue, the pastor gives the cue. They, or the worship leader gives the cue or the pastor, or however they do it. But they, you know, whether if they do it in worship, or worship or in during the sermon and they, they let the glitter down and they say, Oh, look, the Holy Spirit is falling upon us. And then you look at the audience, you look at the, everybody's like rejoicing. Oh, wow. You know, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You see? garbage what is that what what an abomination it's crazy for the teacher for the pastor for those who allow such thing it's an abomination before the lord and then after service to say come on guys let's go grave soaking but for those in the pews i don't want to say it's an abomination but from those in the pews no bereans to say what in the world is this this pastor is in crazy town. This worship team, they're in crazy town. What is it? Grave soaking? The glitters? The Holy Spirit? No Bereans. You see? 
Oh, don't be so mean-spirited. We're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to be loving. And that's the exact same thing that Paul is talking. You guys are putting up with it. You put up with it. That's what Paul says to the Corinthian saints. Let's continue in Acts 2. Verse 17, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Oh, but that was for 2,000 years ago. Rubbish. Babies. Babies and servants of Satan say such things. That was for another, use the big words, that was for another dispensation. You see? Babies and servants of Satan say such things because they do not understand. It's the idiotes among us. I don't mean to say like they're idiots, but I'm just, uh, I'll follow the cue of Brother Paul. Idiotes. They lack understanding. Or maybe they're servants of Satan. Babies or servants of Satan. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. A gift of the Holy Spirit. A gift of the Holy Spirit. You see? And it's written here at the beginning of verse 17 that in the last days these will happen. Correlation to Joel chapter 2. You see? We're living in very, very dangerous times. Very dangerous times. And yes, there's this aspects of the world that come against us, but I mean, that is definitely a threat. But what about within? What about the dangers inside the church? You see? What about the dangers inside the church? And that's what Paul is speaking of. You guys might well put up with it. You got the guy who says, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. You, you guys might well put up with it. You got the, the guy with this, this his, his uh, uh, coalition, I'll say. His coalition, God is done with Israel. You guys might well put up with it. The money preacher, you guys might well put up with it. You see? The old glitter is the Holy Spirit. You guys might well put up with it. Let's go grave soaking. You guys might well put up with it. So Paul says, okay, okay. Since this aspect of the flesh is starting to creep up again, you know, just like he says in, 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 in uh, 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 chapter 11, verse 18, since seeing that many boast according to the flesh, okay, all right, I'm going to do the same. I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it the same. And he stresses the fact I speak foolishly, he says. In verse 21 of chapter 11, I, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. In verse 23, I speak as a fool, I am more. You see? In verse 29, he says, I burn with it. And he says, who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble, enticed to sin, or uh, enticed to sin, or enter apostasy? And I do not burn with indignation. Now, now, I have to say, there is an aspect of anger. It's indignation, righteous indignation, but there is an aspect of anger. Now, for me personally, I have to be careful with anger because that was one of my vices uh, 
20 plus years ago where anger easily turned into rage, easily turned into rage, and the works of the flesh were very ugly. But today, as a believer in Christ, I still have this aspect of anger, but it's not like anger and, you know, I'm going to beat you with a baseball bat or anger and I'm, you know, going to kill somebody. It's anger, but how can such teachers get away with this? It's not anger like I'm going to kill them. It's anger that, you know, God is going to kill them. You see, the second death unto the servants of Satan, if they don't repent. Now you see a little bit of, I, I, I don't mean to like say that Paul was going to kill anybody. But there was the aspect of indignation. He even says, look, in, in chapter 11, verse 29, who is made to stumble, which is enticed to sin and enter apostasy, who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. Who are these people who say such? It's one thing for the person to enter apostasy. It's one thing for that person to enter apostasy. But who is it? That led them there. Who is it that told them it's okay to take the mark of the beast? Who is it that told them it's okay to go, go grave soaking? Who is it that told them that God is done with Israel? Who is it that tells them these things that are not even of the Lord? They're in accordance to a different spirit. Then you understand the pastoral epistles when Paul says to Titus, another pastor, future pastor, their mouths must be stopped. Titus, warfare against the servants of Satan. Fight, Titus. You see? Now there's this aspect of this bubble of Paul. Yes, the next generation of righteousness, absolutely. But even more so, the next generation of leadership. And for the pastors, the next generation of warriors. And how Paul exhorts the next pastor, Pastor Titus, their mouths must be stopped. They bring in these destructive heresies. Now, if you're a young Christian, if you're a baby Christian, you're listening to me and it's like, oh, wait a second. That's so mean-spirited. That's so mean-spirited. That's why it's very important to listen to 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Listen to all, all, of, all of our study through 1 Corinthians and you'll understand. You'll see because... Corinth went through this. They're going through. I mean, you know, I kind of teach like in real time, like, you know, kind of like we're here, like actually here with the Corinthian saints. So, you know, we're here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But there's a lot of backdrop. Remember, what is it that's going to help us go from third grade to fourth grade? You see, what is it that we've put up with in the past? You and me, we're, in, we're best friends. We're in third grade together. We're looking forward to going to fourth grade. And all of a sudden, we're in fourth grade. First day of class, we get there 10 minutes early, 20 minutes early. Other kids come in. Everybody's sitting down at their chairs and their tables. And then all of a sudden, little baby teacher comes walking in, comes crawling in, can't even walk yet. What? What is this? He can't even teach me first grade. I've already, we've already gone through first grade and this guy can't even teach me. You see, that's what's happening in the church today. 
That is precisely what's happening in the church today. Oh, but we're called to be loving. Absolutely. Gracious and merciful. Absolutely. And more so, fruit of the Holy Spirit. But we're never called to be stupid. We have to be wise. Wise as serpents and peaceful as doves. You see how, I mean, we read passages in scripture about how cunning Satan is and how crafty Satan is. And he absolutely is. And he knows the Bible. And yet the Bible tells us to be wise as serpents. You see? Not giving any credit to Satan at all. But we're supposed to be wise. And so if you're a baby in Christ, you have to be straight up with yourself. Acknowledge the fact that, okay, yeah, you know, I am a baby in Christ. It's not a bad thing. But I will, I will say this. We need to grow. We need to grow. Paul, here in verse 1, chapter 12, 2 Corinthians, it's not profitable for me to boast, but I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep on boasting. And now I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord You see, he says in verse two, I know a man in Christ. I love this so much because he's speaking about himself. In in verse seven, unless I I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. Paul is speaking about himself. You see his, not just his humanity in boasting, but you also see his humility in boasting. Yes, he's boasting. He's boasting in Christ. But then at the same time, you see his humility He doesn't want to say like, oh yeah, look how awesome I am. I had a vision. Look how awesome I am. I had a dream. Me personally, I don't tell my dreams. I don't tell my visions to anybody. Well, I say not just anybody. I don't say these because the majority of times, the bulk of people are babies. The bulk of people are babies. Will not understand some. Oh, that was for another dispensation. There's no dreams. There's no visions. There's no... That was for another dispensation. That's what the fools say. Because they don't know the Bible. They think they know the Bible, but they don't know the Bible. You cannot read the Bible or study the Bible as literature. You cannot. It is spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit teaches. You cannot read the Bible as literature. People read the Bible as literature. And they have a certain aspect of knowledge. They say, oh, you know, look... Turn here, turn here, turn here. And you're like, okay, yeah, you're right. That's what you said is here. And, you know, you apply this here. And yeah, you know, it, it, it fits. But it is also written. And in accordance to the spirit of the Lord. You see? That's why you see Peter say these things. You see Paul say these things. You see John say these things. And it aligns with the prophet Joel. It aligns with Ezekiel. It aligns with the prophet Jeremiah. It aligns with the prophet Isaiah. Everything aligns. Why? The same spirit and the Lord never changes. Nowadays, you get the guys who say, oh yeah, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. What? That's not the same spirit. Hey guys, let's go grave soaking. What? Jeremiah would never say that. Paul would never say that. Why? Because they're of the same spirit. The grave soakers? What spirit is that? And you might well put up with it. You might well put up with it. And you know what's happening today? People are putting up with it. (laughs) It has to happen. It has to happen. Apostasy. I mean, for Jesus Christ... For Jesus Christ to say, no flesh will be saved 
even among the elect, unless those days be shortened. In order for him to say that, do you see how much of a mess the church has to be? How much of a mess apostasy has to get? The apostate has to get? You see? But the remnant is different. Verse 2, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. I love this. Me personally, I think it was in the body. God knows. God knows. Such a one was caught up. Harpazo. The same word for rapture. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Very interesting. Harpazo. The same word for rapture. To be caught up. To the third heaven. Now, rabbinically speaking, I'm not a rabbi nor the son of a rabbi. But rabbinically speaking, there are three references to the heavenly realm. Realm number one is the sky where the birds fly. So you, you see, you're outside, you see the, a bird fly across the sky. That's the first realm, the, the uh, first heaven, the sky. It's, it gets nighttime and you see the stars. You see a shooting star. You look up, you see the moon. That's the second heaven. That's where the stars are. The space. The third heaven, that's where the Lord is. That's the heavenly realm. That's paradise. And so look what's written here in verse 2. Such a one was caught up. Such a one was harpazo to the third heaven. Now me personally, I think it was caught up. Physically, his body was taken. That's what I think. He says, and I, 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 I can't. I'll say a little something about that. So you remember, oh. <laughs> it just so happens, it just so happens that we looked at this on Wednesday. It just so happens. You remember uh, Caleb? Caleb, when he was part of the recon team, Caleb was part of the recon team and he went into the promised land and he went into the promised land with his other recon team, uh, members of the recon team. They came back, and the rest of the recon team, except for uh, uh, Joshua, they were scaredy cats. The recon team, they were scaredy cats. They treaded the land of the promised land. They treaded the earth of the promised land. You see? And then they came back. Everybody was scaredy cat. This fear was endemic in Israel, and Israel was afraid. Fear spread through Israel, and the Lord disciplined them. And says, okay, this 11-day journey, now it's 40 years. You got, you're going to die here in the wilderness. Everybody of this first generation. Except for Joshua and Caleb. And it was our study in Deuteronomy chapter 1. It just so happens that we, we studied that on Wednesday. Just so happens. That Caleb treaded the land of the promised land. Treaded the earth of the promised land. And he's one of the first generation that passes into the promised land. We see something very similar. Paul says, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Me personally, I say he was in the body and he was a type of Caleb. He treaded paradise and came back. Not to report, just to, to mention this fact, not to report and say, hey guys, look what I saw. But just to mention Such a one was caught up to the third heaven in verse 3. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. 
God knows that's how palpable, palpable it was for Paul. Me personally, he was caught up. He was there physically in body. That's that's my personal conviction. You see. Look at verse four, how he was caught up into paradise, paradise. The place that you and I look forward to, the place that you and I not only look forward to, but with great expectation, can't wait for this Zion. It just so happens that on Wednesday, we look, we study this Zion, not in accordance to earth, not in accordance to Adam, but in accordance to Christ. How he was caught up into paradise. And heard inexpressible words, which is is not lawful for a man to utter. It, this isn't like a legal term in the Greek. It's more like it's not right for a man to utter. This is a biblical experience of heaven. Now, you have these people nowadays, you know, they, they write these New York Times bestseller. Oh, yeah, I was in heaven. I was in heaven. I saw my great grandpappy. And you know what? Yeah, he was a crackhead, but it's okay. He was in heaven and he told me that everything's going to be okay. And look, now I, I'm, I'm revived back to life in the hospital. And I write this New York Times bestseller about what I experienced in heaven. Was grandpappy a Christian? No, 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 not at all. He was Buddhist. He was also a crackhead. Well, that ain't heaven. You see? I think it's so powerful when we see Paul. Whether he was in the body or in spirit, he says, I don't know. He says, God knows. And I don't know either, but I have a strong hunch that he was harpazo as a type of Caleb in the promised land. That he was a type of Caleb in paradise. And when he comes back, he can't describe it. Inexpressible words. It's not right for, I can't even utter these things. It's not right. That, But yet you have these people with the New York Times bestseller. Oh yeah, I was in heaven. This is what heaven looked like. I was in heaven and, you know, mother God told me this. I was in heaven and the Buddha told me this. I was in heaven. That's not, it's a trap, spiritual trap. You see, and these Christians, they buy these books. Christians, they put up with it. They buy these books. Oh, look, heaven is such a beautiful place. Look, Grandpappy was there who was not, not even a Christian. Grandpappy was there who was a crackhead, a Buddhist crackhead. And grab, Grandpappy was in heaven and we, we laughed. We had a, a nice time and he said everything was going to be okay. And what? That's not even scriptural. That's not even biblical. And here you have Paul. Paul. Teacher of holy things. He says, I can't even utter anything about paradise. It's, it's not right for me to utter. It's beautiful. It's paradise. What our Lord promised us. What scripture teaches of. But as for me, I can't even utter what. I, it's not right for me to even say what it. I can't. What does that say to the New York Times bestseller people? Christian puts, puts up with it. Oh yeah, I'm going to buy the movie. Instead of reading my Bible, I'm going to read this New York Times bestseller. Instead of reading my Bible, I'm going to watch this two-hour movie about what this guy's depiction of heaven is. You see? We put up with it. 
Why is that? Could it be that we're not matriculating? Could it be that we're first graders? Could it be that the majority of Christians today are first graders, second graders, third graders, and cannot move on to fourth grade? Now, Satan, Satan, he doesn't want anybody to go from first grade to second grade. Satan. And he'll fight tooth and nail. But from somebody to go from third grade to fourth grade, he absolutely doesn't want that to happen. And that fight, that fight is more intense. That fight is more intense. You see? And from fourth to fifth, fifth to sixth, sixth to seven, I might have skipped some numbers. <laughs> that fight, those fights, he amps up big time. Do you think Christians are ready for that? I mean, I, you, you hear me say like, you know, the church isn't ready for this. The Christians aren't ready for that. Saints aren't ready for that. But honestly, be straight up in your heart of hearts. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that fight? And I don't speak in the flesh. I speak the spiritual fight. You see, we have to grow. We have to mature. He says in verse 5, Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast. You see his humility. His humility. He says, except in my infirmities. I'll boast, but in, in my infirmities. That's his humility. Remember in chapter 11, verse 2, when Paul, he mentions his goal. Like, his goal is to present the saints as a chaste virgin to Christ. A chaste virgin. A maiden that is clean, pure, innocent, and perfect to her husband. That's Paul's goal. I don't want your stuff. I don't want your pillows. I don't want your mattress. I don't want your blankets. I don't like you. And it's nice and warm. I'm cold, but I know it's nice and warm in your place. And I don't want your breakfast. I don't want your dinner. I don't want this. I want to present you as a chaste virgin to your husband. Capital H, the better husband. That's my desire. That's what Paul says. Take note, pastors. Take note. You see? Look what happens here in chapter 12, verse 6. For though I might desire to boast, <laughs> I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth. I love this. You see, Paul's not just his... You see his humanity because, you know, I, I might desire to boast. I might desire. He's boasting. He's boasting in Christ. But I might desire to boast a little bit more. But I'm not going to be a fool, he says. For I will speak the truth, but I will refrain. That's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Self-control. But I refrain. Lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. I love this because you see his humility is not only good for himself, but it's good for others. Just like John the Baptist. John the Baptist. I love the humility of God's people, his servants, the workers and the field. The humility, Old Testament to New Testament, all the servants. You see this aspect of humility. Servants of the Lord. John the Baptist, he has his students that he pours into, he loves, he feeds, he teaches, he protects. And they come to him, teacher, 
there's this guy. They, they hear of Jesus Christ. They hear what he says. And then they go to their teacher, John the Baptist. Teacher, what do we do? We love you. We know that you're pouring into us. And you have poured into us. And we have this understanding. And you teach us like this. And there's this other guy. And he teaches. And it's like, we don't know what to do. You know what I love about that? The stu- Not the fact that the students had that a little bit of confusion. I wouldn't say confusion, but just like, what do we do? What I love so much is that the teaching of John the Baptist, how it prepped them for Jesus Christ. You see, it wasn't that, you know, John the Baptist teaching was anathema to Christ to where Christ was closed off to them. No, John the Baptist teaching his, as their teacher poured into them and that pouring into them prepped them for Jesus Christ. I love that. And what does John the Baptist say? Not like, oh, you guys are mine. You have to stay with me. And it wasn't like a competition. He says, you know what, guys? Yes, I love you. But you must go to him. You see, humility. Servanthood unto the master. You must go to him. Your husband. Capital H. I love you, students. But you must go to him. He must increase. He must increase. I must decrease. You see? And in the course of time, John the Baptist had his head chopped off. At the request of the whorish daughter of Herod. You see? That's so beautiful. Beautiful in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints. Is the death of his saints. Pastors, take note. You must decrease and Christ must increase. Paul says in verse 6, I will speak the truth, but I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. You see, it's not just this one or two revelations or visions. I mean, we see in in Acts, the Macedonian call, there was the vision of the Lord that was given to Paul. Vision after vision after vision, dream after dream after dream, revelation after revelation. You see? Oh, but that was for another dispensation. That was for the early church. That was for that first century saints. That was. It's not for today, says the fool. Says the idiotes, the unlearned one, unlearned one, either a baby or a servant of Satan. Now, you say like, wait a second, that's kind of hardcore. What do you mean a baby or a servant of Satan? Well, more discernment has to be in play. It could be that this person doesn't have understanding. It could very, very well be. But what is their doctrine? Because it could be that that person is a servant of Satan. It could very well be. I've told you before. How I had a four-hour conversation, three hours, 45 minutes, long conversation with the Calvinist, reformed theory person. We had this long conversation using all these big words, and he was also in the same camp of the dispensation. The Holy Spirit was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. The reformed theory person. 
likes to mention all these books. Oh, yeah, and this book says this, and this book says this. Okay, that's nice. What does the Bible say? Oh, but look, this guy, he has his coalition, you know, and he says this. Look at this guy. He has his study Bible, and he says this. That's nice. What does the Bible say? Four-hour conversation, three hours, 45 minutes. After, after about three hours and 40 minutes, I just straight up point blank. The Jesus you speak of, I, I don't, you need to repent because that's idolatry. Because the Jesus you speak of is not the Jesus of the Bible. Then he smiled at me. It was like, kind of like an eerie smile. He smiles at me and says, I'm the guy the Bible warns you about. You see? The preacher guy. The preacher guy who comes in with another Jesus in accordance to a different spirit. I don't say this to boast, but the fight is very real. You know how many people would take this guy, listen to what he has to say, and accept it as gospel? A large, large, large majority of Christians would put up with him and do put up with him. You see? Who is ready? Who is ready as Satan intensifies his attacks because he knows his time is short? Who is ready? And yet Paul says, lest I, be sh lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. This thorn translates as a thorn, yes, but it also translates as an annoyance or a disability. Sometimes people say, think that uh, um, some scholars... They say Paul had a disability, he had a speech impediment, he had something wrong with his back, he, or he had a disability, something. I don't know. I, I don't, there's no definitive, like, you know, okay, this is absolutely what it is. I'll just call it a thorn, as it is written. <laughs> a thorn in the flesh was given to me, he says. A messenger of Satan. Whoa. A messenger of Satan? Why? To buffet me. Translates as to beat me. Lest I be exalted or become haughty. Lest I be exalted above measure. You see? This is what happened to Lucifer. When you read Isaiah 14. How he exalted himself. The five I wills of Lucifer. And how he wanted to be exalted higher than the Lord. And the Lord sent him down. The Lord cast him out. And yet, this thorn in the flesh, lest that happen, the exaltation of Paul, lest that happen, this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan to beat him, was given to him. It was given to him. Why? He says in verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times, Lord, take this. Lord, take this, please, Lord, take this. Three times he pleaded with the Lord that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, I don't want to lord over you at all. But if you have a highlighter, highlight that in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know how powerful that is? Lord, why would you give this thorn? Lord, why would you give this thorn to Paul? And Paul, of all people, Paul, 
an apostle of apostles, I'll say. He pleaded with you three times, Lord. And you told him no. Wow. Did Paul do something bad? And not just that. You gave him this thorn, but... A messenger of Satan to beat him? Why? This messenger of Satan? Understand that the very thing that the Lord uses to show himself, to reveal himself, his power, his might, his strength. I mean, have you ever prayed to the Lord, like, Lord, take this, Lord. I don't want this, Lord. This is painful. It hurts. I don't want this, Lord. It's too painful. But look at what's happening. Look at your position when you're doing that. You might be bowed down. You might be sitting down, bowed down. You might be on your knees. You might be prostrate before the Lord. Look at your position. Now, if that thing that you're begging, Lord, take this, take this, take this. If that wasn't there, would you be prostrate before him? Would you be on your knees before him? And when the Lord answers Paul, where Paul says, Lord, take this from me three times, he pleaded. He didn't just ask. He pleaded. And the Lord responded and says, my grace is sufficient for you. Remember, grace is, it's like an acronym, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense, having what we do not deserve. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength, my strength, that of the Lord, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, have you ever relied on your own strength? I have. And it hasn't got me much. Didn't get me very far. I could say it landed me in jail 20 some years ago. That's what happened when I relied on my own strength. What about when you, my beautiful friend, what about when you rely on your own strength? It might be strong. You might be strong, powerful. You might. But is that the strength of the Lord? You see? My grace is sufficient for you. It is written here in verse 9. My, my, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would, I will rather boast in my infirmities. You see, these people, remember chapter 10, verse 10, who are these people who say such things that Paul is weak? Oh, Paul, you're such a weakling. Oh, Paul, you're so weak. You're so stupid. You're so dumb. You're, look at your little noodle arms. You're so weak. Paul doesn't say like, no, I'm not here. Look, I'm, I can bench press more than you. No, I'm not. I can beat you. He says, absolutely, I'm weak. In fact, I'm going to boast in my weakness. I'm going to boast in my infirmities. Because the strength, not my strength, the strength of the Lord is made perfect through this weakness. Absolutely, I am weak. You see? 
I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I love this so much. He says that the power of Christ may rest upon me, translates may tent upon me as a covering or may abide and encamp to commune and protect me. That's how it translates. You see? This is so beautiful. Now, say for example, if we studied the New Testament only, I mean, this would still be beautiful that the power of Christ may rest upon me, that may, may, and if I were to say, may tent upon me as a covering or may abide and encamp to commune and protect me. If I were to say that as new covenant believers studying only the New Testament, that, that would be, I mean, it's beautiful. Praise be to the Lord. But with this backdrop of our study through the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and now starting starting Deuteronomy, now that you see and have studied the encampment of Israel through the wilderness, the cross in the wilderness, now that you have this backdrop of the covering and the, the, the pillar of smoke that was, you know, with Israel, now that you have this, does this verse ring a little different for you? Maybe deeper? That the power of Christ may tent as a covering upon me? That the power of Christ may abide and encamp to commune and protect me? You see how the New Testament interprets the Old the old interprets the new, the full counsel of the word of God, verse by verse, precept upon precept. And the Lord never changes. The same God that protected the camp of Israel is the same God that protects you and me in our camp of the church. That same pillar of smoke. You see? Abiding in Christ, the fulfillment of the law. Paul says, of course, yeah, I'm weak. I'm, I will most gladly, I would, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Remember, three times he pleaded, not just, Lord, can you take this from me? No, he pleaded, Lord, please, please, Lord. There's this thorn and, oof, Lord, take it, Lord. Please, I beg you, Lord, take it. Three times he pleaded with the Lord. This messenger of Satan. Absolutely, you think, you know, we're going to have chinks in our armor. You're going to have chinks in your armor, dents in your shield. You will. And as much as we look at, wow, there's this dent in the armor. Wow, there's this little dent in the helmet. Wow, there's this little chink on the shield, this little chink in here and there. And, you know, all these things. It's like, wow, that's terrible. No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Talk to like a seasoned warrior. I mean, you can tell. Like sometimes you see like on, on social media, people take their military pictures. You know, they take these military pictures. But when you see clean garments, like fr like freshly pressed, you see these clean garments. Like, like they're, they're out in the field. But then you look at their attire and the way, the manner in which it's like, this guy's like, you know, he's like the office guy. You know, he's just doing his, you know, a couple days training. He's at the range and, you know, shooting here. But he's an office guy. But you look at the seasoned warriors. <laughs> the filth of their attire. 
how it's used. You look at their weapons. You look at the dents and the, you know, certain types of armor. You see the dents. Okay, that's a warrior. You know, if you desire to be unscathed as a Christian, I love you, but that's not happening. Satan wants to kill you. He wants you dead. And you know what else? This messenger of Satan was given to Paul. This messenger of Satan that beat him was given to Paul. Lest he be exalted. Exalted above measure. Sometimes we pray, Lord, take this, take this, take this. What happens when he doesn't take it? What happens when he doesn't take it? Maybe that's the very thing that he wants to tell you. Hey, I put that there. I gave you that thorn. Now, when I say thorn, make sure it's a thorn. Oh, the Lord gave me crack. This crack is a thorn in my side. No, 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 no. When it's... When I say thorn, make sure it's a thorn. There are biblical qualifiers for thorn. Oh, this thorn in my side. What is it? Pornography? No, 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 no. That's not a thorn. That's stupid. That's an abomination. Repent. Oh, I got a thorn in my side. What is it? Whiskey. Stupid. I got this thorn in my side. What is it? The occult. I got this thorn in my side. What is it? Meth. I got a thorn in my side. What is it? Gambling. No, it doesn't work that way. Make sure the thorn in the side is really a thorn. Okay? And I say, I love you. Make sure the thorn is a thorn. Not an addiction. Not, you know, whatever. I don't want to get into details, but make sure. Because a lot of Christians say, oh, I got a thorn in my side. What is it? Sex. I got five. I'm married, but I got five girlfriends on the side. They're my thorn. I got five thorns. Those aren't thorns. Fool. I say that lovingly, idiotes, love, unlearned one, unlearned. And I love you. I don't. It is foolish, so make sure it's a thorn. And you're pleading with the Lord, Lord, take this, take this, take this. What if the Lord put that there? Lest you be exalted, lest you whatever, lest you this, lest you that. What are the? It's very, remember, his ways are not our ways. And what does he say? My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me, may tent upon me, may encamp, not just encamp, but encamp to commune and protect. Wow, so beautiful. See, if you read the Bible as literature, you won't understand this. If you read the Bible as literature, you might know that, yes, you know, it is written in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that my grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect, my grace is sufficient, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And you might know that, you might even be able to cite it like the back of your hand. When you read the Bible as literature. 
But when you read the Bible spiritually and it's spiritually discerned and you feed on these things, you feed and take in and absorb and just let it soak in every every fiber of your being, every fiber, every essence of your being, deep down into the marrow, you read this, that the power of Christ may rest upon me to abide and camp, to commune and protect. It's like, whoa, Lord, you're right here with me. Lord, you're here among us. And you encamp with us. You certainly commune with us. You certainly protect us. You read the Bible as literature, you're not going to get that. You read the Bible spiritually, behold the hand of God. So what does Paul do? Oh, Paul, remember chapter 10, verse 10? Oh, Paul is such a weakling. He's so weak. He speaks magnanimously, but look, he's just a little pipsqueak. Paul says, okay. Chapter 12, verse 10, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, that's insults. Oh, Paul's so stupid. How dare Paul say to uh, that, that I'm leaven? How dare, you know, yeah, I do my crack. I do my meth. I do my strippers. I do my, you know, I'm married, but I have my girlfriends. I do my occult. I do my Ouija boards. I do my yoga. I do all these things. How dare Paul say this about me? He's so mean-spirited. Don't listen to him. He's so stupid. Look, I'm a preacher guy, and I'm going to tell you, let's go grave soaking. Look, I'm a preacher guy, and I'm going to tell you God is done with Israel. Look, I'm a preacher guy, and I'm going to tell you, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Don't listen to Paul. He's such a fool. He's such a, so stupid. Paul says, look, I take pleasure in that. I take pleasure in these insults. Just like Brother Peter with the same spirit, rejoicing that he was counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Christ. The same spirit. You see? I take pleasure in infirmities, he says in verse 10, in reproaches, in needs, or distressing is how it translates, in needs, in persecution, in distresses, or calamity. For Christ's sake. For him. For the Lord. You see, his... When you read these writings of Paul, the outpouring of his heart onto parchment, for the benefit of the saints of Corinth, but for the benefit of the saints of where you are at right now, whether it be in the United States, whether it be in China, whether it be in Russia, whether it be in Afghanistan, whether it be in Great Britain, whether it be in Brazil, whether it be in Zimbabwe, whether it be anywhere. You see? You see the servanthood servanthood when paul writes his letters and says i paul a bond servant whoa whoa what a bond servant not to deify paul paul is a pattern for you and me to follow chloe is a pattern for you and me to follow. Achilla, Priscilla, Lydia, James, Jude, John. A lot of J names. James, Jude, John, Joseph. Remember? The disciples called them the apostles. They referred to him as Barnabas, son of encouragement. 
For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says in verse 10, when I am weak. Oh, you're so stupid, Paul. You're so stupid. You're such a legalist. How dare you say this? You're so dumb, Paul. You don't like me to do crack, Paul. You're so dumb and mean-spirited. Paul, you don't like me to do sex. You're so mean-spirited. And yeah, there's that aspect of, yes, it hurts. Because Paul is a worker. Paul loves the saints. Paul loves and pours into the saints. But when he is weak, then he is strong. And it's not his strength. Remember, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. As is written here in verse 10, when I am weak, then I am strong. Have you ever been on the receiving end of persecutions, of reproaches, infirmities, needs, and distresses? Well, it's going to get worse in the last days. Depending on where you're listening, you might have to meet secretly if you can meet at all. You might have had a beating very recently because of you're a Christian. And the name of Christ is on your heart. And everything you do, it exudes the name of Christ. And when you are weak, you are strong. And it's not your strength. It's that of the Lord. It is painful. I mean, you know, people say, oh, you're so stupid. You're a legalist. You're like, Where is that? Show me legalism. Well, you're a legalist because you don't like to get drunk with me. You're a legalist because you don't like to do crack with me. You're a legalist because you don't want to go gambling with me. You're a legalist because you don't want to do these works of the flesh with me. You're a legalist because you don't want to take the mark of the beast and still be saved. You're a legalist because you don't want to go grave soaking with me. You're like, what? How is that legalism? Straight up, how is that legalism? It's obedience. The disobedient. The disobedient are shamed by your godly behavior. And they feel it. They know it. And instead of seeing that as an example, they'll come to hurt you. And yes, sometimes their words will hurt. Sometimes their words will hurt a lot. Their punches will hurt. But even still, even still, you can remember these words, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Just like the Lord told to Samuel, when Samuel's heart was breaking, 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 and the Lord tells him, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. You see? Now the people were rejecting Samuel. With, with carnal eyes. I mean, if, if we were to look at it like with carnal eyes, we would see, wow, the people are rejecting Samuel. But the Lord spiritually, with spiritual eyes, the Lord tells Samuel, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. You see? What happened to Jesus Christ when he was rejected? They killed him. And you start to see like, Remember, Paul is speaking boasting foolishly. He even says, I speak as a fool. 
But the reason is because of the Corinthian saints. We got to get you from, we got you from first grade to second grade to third grade. And that came, we had the, the leaven had to be detached from the remnant. And now we have this remnant. Now we're in third grade and we got to go to fourth grade, guys. What's it going to take to open your eyes, guys? What's it going to take for you to see, guys? I have to speak this way? I got to speak this way? Paul, remember in chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 20, or verse 19, he says, you put up with fools gladly since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, a straight up punch on the face. He says in verse 21, to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. I say that we were too weak for that. You see, I didn't do that to you, is what Paul is saying. I didn't beat you. I didn't bring you into bondage. I didn't devour you. I didn't take from you. I didn't exalt myself. I didn't strike strike you on the face. You put up with them. You you put up with the the money preachers. You put up with the uh, you know, take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. You put up with the God is done with Israel. You put up with the grave soakers. You call up with the people who put glitter. They make glitter fall and they call it the Holy Spirit, the holy laughter, the holy dancing. They call it. You put up with that. They beat you on the face. They devour you. They bring you into bondage. And you put up with these fools gladly. Big old smile on your face. Oh, we're so loving. Let's just love and let God take care of the rest. Let's just, oh yeah, sex, go ahead. The drugs, go ahead, no big deal. Is it a small thing? You see? Chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 11. I have become a fool in boasting. <laughs> I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me. This is just like what we said. just so happens that we studied this on Wednesday when Paul says, yeah, the Lord was angry with me, but because of you guys. I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me. I didn't want to say these things, but you know what? Here we are. I didn't want to go here, but here we are. What is it? We got to go from third grade to fourth grade. We're three years. We're six years deep. Three years, the second set of three years, but we're six years deep now. And instead of being in sixth grade or going on to seventh grade, we're in third grade going on to fourth. And I don't want anything to hinder you from that jump from third grade to fourth grade. I don't want anything to hinder with, hinder you guys. So these fools that you put up with, don't put up with these fools. Yeah, he's a preacher guy. But what is he teaching? Yeah, he's a preacher guy. But is he bringing you into bondage? Oh, but the preacher guy says it's okay to do my sex. The preacher guy says it's okay to do my crack, my meth, my pornography, my strippers, my my uh, uh, gambling, my occult. The preacher guy says it's okay. That's not a preacher guy. That's a servant of Satan. 
Oh, but I did it with the preacher guy. I did my crack with the preacher guy. Bondage. That's a servant of Satan that has brought you into bondage. Oh, but I went to the strip club with the preacher guy. Bondage. The servant of Satan brought you into bondage. Wow, you're so mean. How could you say that? I'm just the messenger. We got to get from third grade to fourth grade. And then when we're in fourth grade, we got to get them from fourth grade to fifth grade. In fifth to sixth. And at every interval, every intersection, at every corner, at every whatever, Satan wants to kill you. And he'll send his messengers. Have you ever met a Luciferian, like a hardcore Satanist? I met Satanists before. The majority of Satanists, they just reject God. I mean, they're not like hardcore Satanists. They just reject God. So they go to what seems good for them. But there are the hardcore Satanists who absolutely reject God and take in Satan. Those are the Luciferian sect, I would say. These are the ones who straight up want to kill you. I was almost run off, run off the road by a Luciferian, by a Satanist. And you see it in their eyes. It's not a physical battle. It's not like, okay, you know, come on, get out of the car. Let's, you know, let's go to blows or I'm going to get a baseball bat and beat you. No, it is not physical. It is spiritual. The Satanists, they know who you are. Because they know the spirit. The spirit that is in them is not the spirit that is in you. And they know it. And the spirit that is in you, you know it too. That That's a Satanist. I've had encounters with these people. I, want, I don't even want to say people. These entities. Entirely demonic. It's like evil on a whole new level. Are you ready for this fight? Because it's coming. It's here at our doorstep. Behold the last days. Paul says in verse 11, I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me for I ought to have been commended by you. Now, he's not saying like, you know, exalt me. Saints, he's not saying that. I ought to have been commended by you. Remember, he says, I've become a fool in boasting. So he's acknowledging his own name when he says, I speak as a fool. He's acknowledging that. But since they do it in Corinth, okay, he's going to exercise. He's going to do it too. If that's what it takes to commit, if that's what it takes for them to get it, by all means, let's do it. Speaking boastfully, I don't mean like, you know, if that's what it takes for them to get it, then I'm not speaking carnally. I'm speaking about this particular aspect of boasting and the boast is in Christ. He says, I ought to have been commended by you. For in nothing I was behind the most eminent apostles. Wow. Now, you could read that and be like, wow, Paul, that sounds like it's boasting. But in actuality, number one, he's not boasting. Number two, I mean, he might be boasting a little. His boast is in Christ. But this is evidenced by our study in the book of Acts. Remember in the book of Acts when everybody, the apostles, godly men, godly women, Paul, with the spirit of the Lord, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, don't go to Jerusalem, don't go to Jerusalem, begging Paul, pleading with Paul, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. What did the red letter say? What did the red letter say? 
testifying that chains and tribulations await him. The red letters, I am with you, Paul. Do not be afraid, Paul. Yes, chains and tribulations await you, Paul. I am with you. Remember when Paul was in, in, in captivity in Jerusalem? Where were the red letters? With Paul. Intimacy with Christ. Everybody, the apostles, godly men, godly women, Paul, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. But yet, the red letters were directing Paul. And when I say red letters, I speak of the Lord. Was directing Paul. Paul, go to Jerusalem. Everybody, apostles, no, don't go. The Holy Spirit, Paul, go. You see? That's... Paul's not just saying it to boast. But in nothing, he was behind the most eminent apostles, as is written here. No boast. And I love how he says this in verse 11 at the end. Though I am nothing. This is interesting how this translates in the Greek. If you were to enumerate a scale, like, you know, on the scale of 1 to 100, who's your favorite apostle? You say, well, yeah, I'd say, well, um, let me see here. I would put Peter at maybe an 80. I would put Paul at maybe a 95. John, Maybe 99, meh, 100. Enumerate the apostles. Jude, meh, maybe 80. And this enumeration on the scale of 1 to 100, he says, though I am nothing, it's not even one. That's the enumeration, not even one. Paul is acknowledging himself and saying, look, I am zero, not even one. I am zero. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 4? I'm the scum of the earth. Remember? Paul says, you guys, you guys got it good. You guys are like kings. But us, we're the scum of the earth. You see, take note, pastors. The scum of the earth. Less than one, I'm zero. Scum, trash. are living in very dangerous times. Very, very dangerous times. And sometimes, you know, I get a little flack, you know. Oh, I don't like how you say it like this. I don't like how you teach like this. Blame the Lord. <laughs> Blame Him. You know, I'm His servant. He told me to do this. I'm just the messenger. Who is ready for this fight that's coming that is here? Who is ready? Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance, fully at work among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now it is true. Hey, 
wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. But do you want to see a miracle of the Lord? You believe in Jesus Christ? Do you want to see a miracle of the Lord? Look in the mirror, my friend. My beautiful brother, my beautiful sister, look in the mirror and behold a miracle, the handiwork of the Lord. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation. For what? In verse 13, for what? What is it in which you were inferior to the other churches? What is it in which you were less than the other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. If that's what it took, if that's what it took, did I need to lay these burdens on you? That's what Paul is saying to the Corinthians here. We need to get you from third grade to fourth grade. In order for that to happen, did I, did, I, did I have to lay these burdens on you? If I burdened you, if I burdened you, would you have endured? If I burdened you, would you still stay? If I burdened you, would you still be here? If I burden you, is that what it takes for you to endure? Will you still, will you endure? You see, forgive me this wrong Paul is saying. I was not burdensome to you. Now, do you remember what we, in chapter 11, verse 9? When I was present with you, and yes, and in need. Now, do you remember what he said in, 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 in verse 23 when he says, I speak as a fool, I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, in prisons, in deaths. He speaks of the stripes that he received in verse 25. He was beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked. Journeys often in verse 26, perils of water and robbers and perils of his own countrymen, of the Gentiles in the wilderness. In verse 27, weariness and toil, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst, fastings, cold, naked. And in verse 28 says, oh, besides the other things. But then we, we have this backdrop of verse 23 to verse 28. And now we look at verse 9. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. I was a burden to no one, he says. He continues on in verse 9 at the end. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself from being burdensome to you. I'm not going to be a burden to you. That's what he's saying to the Corinthian saints. We got to get you from third grade to fourth grade to mature because the fight is, it's not coming. The fight is here. But if I was a burden... Could I still see your face? If I did burden you, 
could we still laugh? If I did burden you, would we still be friends? If I did burden you, would you have endured? Is that what it took? For me to lay this on you and lay that on you and lay this on you, is that what it took? Forgive me this wrong, Paul is saying. Exclamation point. Forgive me this wrong. And Paul even emphasizes the point, I'm not going to be, I refuse to be a burden to you. Verse 14. Now for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. Now, when you read some scholars, they say, come to you via a letter. But I get that. But when you read the book of Acts and you see in Acts 18, 19, and 20, and 21, or actually 18, 19, and 20, you see this traversing of the land. I like to use Los Angeles. Say, for example, we're in a holy bubble and we're with Paul. And Paul's in LA. <laughs> Paul's in Los Angeles. And we're in Paul's bubble. And a church begins in, begins in Los Angeles. And then we go from Los Angeles and the Lord directs us to Santa Barbara. And a church starts in Santa Barbara. And then we go to Orange County. But to go to Orange County, we go through... Uh, uh, Los Angeles, and we stay in Los Angeles and, you know, see the saints, how you doing, and, you know, fellowship, and make sure everything's on the up and up, and then we make our way down to Orange County, and then the church starts in Orange County. You know, the Lord is directing everything, and that's how I see this when Paul says, now, for a third time, I am ready to come to you. Now, Paul didn't get to go there because, you know, he dies in Roman captivity, we studied that at the end of the book of the book of Acts. But for a third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours. I don't want your money, I don't want your stuff, I don't want your food, I don't want your you know your warm blankets, I don't want your bag, your pillows, your warm room. It's the summertime, I don't want your cool room, I don't want your breakfast, I don't want your coffee, I don't want your fridge, I don't want your whatever, your dinner, your lunch, your sandwiches, I don't want any of it. I do not seek yours. But you, that's what I seek. But you, why? Just like with chapter 11, verse 9. When I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. He says, in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself. Why? Do you remember in verse 2, chapter 11? Because I have betrothed you to one husband. That I may present you as a chaste virgin, a maiden that is clean 
pure, innocent, and perfect. That's what I'm doing. That's what Paul is saying. That's what I'm doing. Presenting you as a chaste virgin to your husband. Capital H. The bridegroom who is coming. That's what I'm doing. Says Paul. And here in uh, verse 14 of chapter 12, 2 Corinthians, he says, I will not be burdensome to you, and for I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Now, remember in 1 Corinthians when Paul says, you know, you guys have 10,000 teachers, and when he refers to himself as a spiritual father, he speaks of his birth canal. He's a male. He doesn't have a birth canal. I don't care what people say nowadays. You know, the scientists, oh, we trust the science. We trust the science. And the guy says, I'm a girl. It's like, well, that's not science. The girl says, I'm a guy. That's not science. The guys want to have babies. That's not science. I mean, they go through the medical procedures, but chromosomes don't lie. He's a spiritual father. You guys are like my babies. You guys are like my babies. I pour into you. I feed you. I teach you. I train you. You got all these 10,000 teachers. You see? The children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Paul speaks as like a spiritual father to the Corinthian saints, like, like a papa. Do babies go to work? I mean, do you see a little three-year-old? Does the three-year-old say, hey, you know, I'm out of here. I'm going to go to work. Gets to work, you know, punches in, clocks in. Little baby working in the factory. Nowadays, you have parents who rely on their children for the tax credit. Good old tax credit. I've, I've talked to parents. They're worried. Oh, my son's doing this. My daughter's doing this. They're going to move. They're going to get married. They're going to go to college and, you know, have a job and be his own uh, tax independent, uh, joining the military, doing all these things, and he's out of here. And, oh, it's like, I'm so worried. Why are you worried? Well, I'm going to lose this money because I claim him as a dependent. I get my child tax credit. I get this. I get that. It's like, wow. So the children lay up for you. No, the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Verse 15, and I will very gladly spend and be spent to be entirely exhausted. Ex exhausted. Paul says, I do it gladly. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> but I'm glad to be tired. Because it's for you, he's saying. He can rejoice. He can, as in verse 10, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses, all for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I will very gladly, in verse 15, spend and be spent for your souls. For your souls. Remember chapter 11 verse 2. To present you as a chaste virgin. To your husband. Capital H. 
See? That's the purpose. That's what Paul says. For your souls. In verse 15, chapter 12, 2 Corinthians, though, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. You see? You see, Paul, when he writes the pastoral epistles, the last book of Timothy, 2 Timothy, Paul's alone. You see, only Luke is with me. Get very comfortable with being alone if you're a pastor. Get very comfortable with being a eunuch, and I speak spiritually, preparing the bride for the bridegroom. Get very comfortable being a eunuch and get very comfortable being alone. See? Shepherds on the outside. How many times? Do you remember we would say that? Shepherds on the outside. You feed the sheep, protect the sheep. When the wolf comes, you kill the wolf. Shepherd, you kill the wolf. Because if you don't, the wolf will kill the sheep and the lambs. But where is the shepherd that will say, not on my watch? Not pridefully, not pridefully. But in obedience to the master. Nevertheless, the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Oh, Paul, he's so stupid. Remember chapter 10, verse 10. He's such a fool. He speaks these big words. He speaks like this. He speaks like that. But he's such a pipsqueak. He's such a little guy. He's like this. How mean he is. Look at what he did. He hurt my feelers. He hurt my little feelers. When he said I couldn't have sex with over here. He said I couldn't go to the strip clubs. He says I can't get drunk. He says I can't be a crackhead. Look how mean he is. Don't listen to him. He's so mean-spirited. He's so mean. He's crazy. Don't listen to him. And the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. It's part of the gig. It's part of the gig. No disrespect to the Lord by saying it's a gig, but I meant it's part of the gig. You will be hated. Your obedience to the Lord, you will be hated. Absolutely, you will be hated. It's one of the signs. But, verse 16, be that as it may, <laughs> be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. I love this. <laughs> Despite being loved less and hated, he's still a fisherman. Always a fisherman. Always a fisherman. A warrior, yes. Wise, yes. Knowledgeable, yes. The gifts of the Spirit, multiple gifts, yes. But always a fisherman at the same time. I caught you being crafty. Remember, we see scriptures, passages of scripture where Satan is crafty. The craftiness of Satan, just like we uh, studied uh, 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 
last week when, you know, these, uh, uh, um, where was it? In chapter 11, verse 4, he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which we have not, which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. In this, in, in, in verse uh, 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Now, this deceitful workers is to be clever, clever and cunning. That's the evil. But there's a good side too. Not of that, but there's a good side too. Just like it's written in chapter 12, verse 16, nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you, you see, by cunning, wise as serpents, peaceful as doves. Verse 17, in closing, did I take advantage of you by, did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? You see, this is Paul or anybody in his bubble, Titus, Timothy, Silas, any anybody. Well, did any of us take advantage of you? You see, I urged Titus and I sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? I love this so much because you see Paul's bubble. The next generation of righteousness, yes. But the next generation of leadership, yes. But the next generation of pastors, Pastor Paul unto Pastor Timothy, or Timothy, yes, but Titus was written here. Pastor Titus. Paul's influence on Titus, the next generation of pastoral leadership. Did any of them take advantage of the Corinthian saints? They're in the same spirit. You see, Titus isn't going to say, hey, guys, let's go grape soaking. That's another spirit. Titus isn't going to say, hey, guys, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. That's another spirit. No. Titus's teachings align with that of Paul, which aligns to that of the Lord. Paul pours into Titus. Titus is learning pastoral leadership. Paul is going to die. Titus, you're up. Timothy, you're up. Everything in alignment, the same spirit, the same Lord, servants of the same Lord. Everything lines up. What Titus teaches aligns with what uh, the prophet Isaiah teaches. Everything lines up. Why? Same spirit, same Lord. He never changes. Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not, uh, did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? No. You see, Titus, almost like a, a little Paul, little version of Paul. You see, a little version of Paul as a pattern. Not to deify Paul, but the Lord gives us all Genesis to Revelation. He gives people these patterns. Hannah, I'm so in love with Hannah. Beautiful, beautiful Hannah. Look at she's a she's a pattern for me. She's a pattern for you. Ruth, a pattern for me, a pattern for you. David, a pattern for me, a pattern for you. Young David. Old David, in his repentance, a pattern for me, a pattern for you. Rahab, a former prostitute, a pattern for me in her life 
after the Lord or in the Lord, not her life before the Lord. Not that pattern. The pattern after. All these patterns were surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. In verse 19, again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you or exculpate is how it translates, which is to vindicate. Do you think that we vindicate ourselves to you? This isn't Paul's opportunity to say like, look, you know, look, do I need vindication? Am I trying to vindicate myself? Do I need this exculpate? No, it's not. Remember, we got to get from third grade to fourth grade. We had problems before. I thought I was going to speak, you know, to... I, I thought that, you know, I would be ready to say, okay, let's go from third grade to fourth grade. But I got this letter from Chloe, Chloe's household, her home fellowship. I got this letter. And in the letter, they said there were all these works of the flesh. And so now, since it's been revealed that you guys are first graders, now you need to separate from the leaven. The leaven, gone. Now this little remnant, since you guys are still babies, you're still on milk, I wish I could speak to you like you're third graders, the spiritual people, but I can't. I got to speak like I'm speaking to babies. So, okay, let's go from first grade, second grade, and third grade. And we're three years deep again. And we got to get from third grade to fourth grade. Do I exculpate myself? Am I trying to excuse ourselves? And we are, Do we need any vindication? No. But he's just telling it like it is. In this boldness he has, which is one of his gifts that the Lord has given to him. We speak before God in Christ, he says in verse 19. But we do all things, beloved, for your edification. I love this. Edification is to build up, absolutely. But a lot of times people get this mis misnomer. They get this misconception that to build up is to say, oh, good job, good job, you know, little applause. Good job, good job. And there's this element of building up, which is, you know, there's the, you know, the good job aspect. But to edify, it is to build up, but no period. It's to build up a building, to build up a structure. You see? Now you see certain things start to emerge. We know that when the Lord must build the house, but when the Lord builds the house, you see Jesus, Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, absolutely praise be to the Lord. But then you see the Holy Spirit building brick by brick by brick by brick. But do you know who else is there? The workers, the workers, co-workers of the Lord. Remember our study in 1 Corinthians? We are God's fellow workers. Not everybody, not every Christian is a fellow worker. We have to make this distinction. And if you're listening for the first time, make sure you listen to 1 Corinthians, all of it. Because this distinction needs to be made between worker and field of the Corinthian saints. He says, you guys are the field. You guys are God's building. We are the workers. You guys are like kings. We are the scum of the earth. For your edification, he says. It's to build up, but not like, oh, good job, good job, good job. There's an aspect of that. But so many times people say, oh, you're supposed to edify. You're supposed to edify. Yes, we are supposed to edify. 
But let's make sure we're, we're building, if you're a worker, let's make sure we're building God's building. You see? Oh, but this brother, you know, he's he's a sex head. He does his pornography. He's he's married. He does his porn. Not that being unmarried is a license for pornography, but he's married. He does his pornography. He has five girlfriends on the side. He goes to the strip clubs. Well, that's Levin. That's Levin. How long has he been a, been a Christian? How long has he been in the fellowship? Five years? Ten years? Look, he's an elder. Look, he's a pastor. Even worse. Even worse. Pastors, teachers, elders, stricter account, stricter accountability. That's leaven. Oh, but we're supposed to edify. We're supposed to edify. Absolutely, we're supposed to edify. But this building up, it's to build up a building, to actually erect a building. What building? What is it? If the Lord is building the house, God's servant have to align with him. The architect, the builder, the carpenter. They, God's workers have to align to him. The crack, the sex, oh, this guy, he's, he's a Christian. He's been in the church for five years and he has his five girlfriends on the side. He's married, has his five girlfriends on the side, goes to the strip clubs. That's Levin. That's not God's building. That's not God's building. Oh, but we're supposed to edify. We're supposed to, absolutely. God's building. We're supposed to build up God's building. This is how servants of Satan creep in unexpectedly. You, see, you read passages of foolish women. They get suckered, snookered into these, by these hucksters, tricksters. Servants of Satan. Why? Because they're like first graders. How can you expect a first grader to understand these things? The first graders in Corinth didn't understand these things. I speak spiritually. But the first graders of Corinth didn't understand these things. Neither did the second graders. This lesson of spiritual warfare is given to the third graders, the remnant. But now we got to get from third grade to fourth grade. Moving on to perfection. Not being stuck. Satan doesn't want you or me to grow, to mature. He doesn't want that to happen. And he will fight tooth and nail to prevent that from happening. And he's very effective, very effective on the battlefield. A formidable opponent. You see, where are the warriors for Christ? The warriors of Christ. But we do all things, beloved, for your edification. The leaven wouldn't say this. The leaven would say like, wow, you know, Paul, he says, you know, he's a, such a fool. He says I shouldn't be going to the strip clubs. I can't be having sex with my dad's wife. He says I shouldn't be doing the crack, the drugs, the alcohol. He said he's so mean-spirited. He says he does that for edification. No, he's building God's building. You see, that's biblical edification. It's to build up, absolutely. But it's to build up God's... Remember, the blueprints have to be followed. If Say we're construction workers. You and me. We're, we're part of a, a subcontractor's crew and he's the, uh, he does the framing. 
Now you have the guy who can read the blueprints. Number one, who designed the blueprints? You see? You have the guy who reads the blueprints, the foreman, you know, and we have our the, 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 the job site foreman. He says, okay, we're going to do this. And all of a sudden, we come out with glue. And we start putting little styrofoam, styrofoam attachments perpendicular to the or horizontal to the perpendicular framework that the other guys built. And we start attaching these. All of a sudden, we're like 10 yards out with these big, long lines of styrofoam, you know, five feet in the air. And we're, yeah, we're building up. But what in the world are we building up? That doesn't, number one, we're disobedient to the foreman. We're not following the blueprints. We're disobedient to the architect. We're absolutely building up. We're constructing something. But it doesn't align with the blueprints. We're putting styrofoam on wood. And it's not even not even vertical at that. We have this horizontal attachment. And we're like 10 yards out. We're gluing styrofoam next to styrofoam next to styrofoam. A big long stick coming out of the framing. We're building up. Look, the Bible says we got to build up. We got to build up. We're building up. We got to follow the blueprints. Building up what? God's house? Or our house? My house? Because a servant of the Lord doesn't say my house. A servant of the Lord is in the Lord's house. If you're a worker... You build the Lord's house. You see? Same Lord. Same Spirit. Jeremiah didn't build styrofoam. Isaiah didn't. Amos didn't. Joel didn't. Zephaniah didn't. Peter didn't. Because in accordance to the same Spirit, they follow the blueprints of the Master. Because they're servants. But who is the foolish one? The false brother, the false teacher, the false apostle, the preacher guy with a different Jesus and a different spirit. He puts on the styrofoam. You see? Oh, but he's building up, he's building up. Now, children, first graders, wow, look at this beautiful styrofoam house. This is so awesome. They don't understand. Second graders barely understand. Third graders, they can understand. Wow, this is styrofoam. What is it doing here? This styrofoam shouldn't even be here. You see? Now that the third grader can understand that this styrofoam shouldn't even be here, now we got to get from third grade to fourth grade and move on to perfection. Deeper spiritual things. We do all things, he says, beloved, in verse 19, for your edification. The leaven would disagree. Leaven would disagree. Oh, Paul's so mean. He's so hateful. He's so crazy. He's lost his mind. How dare he call me on my sex? How dare? How dare? Oh, you know what? This adult has sex with the, the minor and he says something about it. How dare he? He's so mean-spirited. We're supposed to build up. He says, I can't get drunk. He says, I can't do the... 
He's so stupid. He's so mean-spirited. Look, he's crazy. He says I can't be a crackhead. He says I can't go gambling. He says I can't do this. He says I can't do the occult. He says I can't worship Mary. He says I can't worship Buddha. He's so mean. He's so stupid. Where in the blueprints is styrofoam permitted? Where? And I speak spiritually. Build up. Edify, which is to build up. But it's no period. It's to build up God's building. No styrofoam. See? In verse 20. For I fear, Paul brings up his phobia again. Remember the phobia he brought up in chapter 11? In, in chapter 11, in verse 3, he says, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches, there's the preacher guy, another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. You may well put up with it. What is the church today doing? Putting up with it. Paul says in verse 20, chapter 12, For I fear he brings up his phobia again. I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish. Which is to be abiding in Christ and maturing in Christ and going from third grade to fourth grade or ready to go from third grade to fourth grade. And that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Because if Paul comes to town and that's the case, he's going to come in as the disciplinarian. What's happening? Another separation. We go back to basics. And you guys were, you know, first grade, and I thought you'd be wrapping up third grade, but I found out this stuff. Chloe told me that these things were happening, so we're back in first grade. We get, you know, the, the 11th taken care of. Now you're the remnant. We go from first grade to second grade to third grade. And now we're three years deep again, and we're ready to go from third grade to fourth grade. And he says, I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Because if Paul comes to town and discovers that, wow, there's all these works of the flesh again. You know what's going to have to happen? Another separation. Another separation. A remnant of a remnant of a remnant. You see? Another separation. And if Paul were to say nothing, if Paul were, if a worker were to say nothing, then he would be disobedient. If the worker says nothing, then the worker is disobedient. What worker wants to be disobedient to his master? What worker wants to be disobedient to her master? And I say female because there are female deacons, female teachers. Now, pastors and elders, always male. I don't care what churches are doing now. Churches are coming up with these new proclamations. Oh, we now have elder females. We now have pastor females. Another sign of the last days. Apostasy. Apostasy. Churches entering apostasy. Why? Foolish pastors. Stupid idiotes. It's happening. Pastors, elders, always male. Male headship. If Paul were to say nothing, oh, look, look, crack in the church. This, this brother, this pastor is having sex with all the women. This youth pastor is having sex with the young females, young girls. 
a little molestation. Oh, no big deal. Woe is that guy. W-O-E. Woe is that guy. Because without repentance, he will burn in hell. You see? Let not many be teachers. He says, I fear lest when I come, I shall not be found such as I, such I, I shall I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Lest there be contentions, jealousies, you see, more works of the flesh. Again, just like first Corinthians. You say, wait a second, I thought you said Second Corinthians was a mature church, a remnant. Absolutely they are. But these works of the flesh can pop up at any time. How? How? The warrior puts down his shield. The warrior puts down her shield. The warrior lets go of the sword. The warrior takes off his helmet. The warrior takes off her helmet. The warrior takes off the breastplate. You see? And then the works of the flesh start to creep up all over again. It's the handiwork of Satan. Deceptional lying wonders. Lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, con conceits, tumults. Paul's saying, I don't want to find you like that. We're supposed to be third grade going on to fourth grade. I don't want to find you like I did, you know, in first Corinthians, when I wrote the first Corinthian letter. I don't want to find you like that. I don't want to find you with, like, you know, the works of the flesh, like first Corinthians kind of ch chapter five. I don't want to find you like that. Because if I find you like that, then I'm going to be found by you such as you do not wish. Because we're going to have to clean house. You know, I remember moments where I would speak to like people. And there were certain ones where I'd say, you know, you guys, take the day off, you know. Go have breakfast, do this. Because I had certain things to say to others. But be that as it may, certain things had to be said. Teaching, understanding. Paul saying, if that happens, if I come back, we're supposed to be in third grade going on to fourth grade. And if I come and I see the contentions, jealousies, outbursts of rash, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whispering, conceits, and tumults, if that happens, then you're going to find me such as you do not wish because we're going to have to clean house all over again. Exposing the remnant. Or separating the remnant from the leaven. You see? If you're a pastor and you're wondering, well, well if that were the case, how can I have a mega church? How can I have, you know, I only have 30 people in my church. How can I have 100 people if that happens? How can I have 1,000 people? How can I have 10,000? Better check yourself, pastor, before you wreck yourself. You teach the word of God. You teach the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit establish your membership. Because he will. Oh, but the Holy Spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. Well, there's your problem. False doctrine. The Holy Spirit will establish your membership. And you can see the handiwork of our Lord. 
You see? Paul says in verse 21, in closing, lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you or depress me among you. See? Why? Because he says, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented. You see, oh, but once saved, always saved. I did the altar call when I was 10 years old. I don't need to repent anymore. No, repent, repent. That's like saying, oh, I took a shower when I was 10 years old. I don't need to shower anymore. You know how nasty you're going to be after three days? I meant nasty after an hour for some people. You know how funky you're going to be? Oh, I took a shower when I was 10 years old and I'm 50 now and I don't need to shower anymore. That's wrong. That's false doctrine. Repent. Genesis to Revelation, what do we see? Repent, 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 repent. The clarion call of God, repent. Why? Because he desires his people to be right with him. He desires people to be right with him. You see? If Paul comes to town and sees the contentions, jealousies, wrath, ambitions, backbiting, whispering, conceits, and tumults, he says, look, you guys aren't going to like me because we're going to have to clean house again. But not only that, the Lord will humble and depress me again. And I'm going to mourn for the many who have sinned and have not repented. Oh, but my pastor told me once saved, always saved. Get a new pastor. Repent. Take a shower. And I don't mean to cheapen the clean, how the Lord cleanses, clean, cleanses by his blood by saying take a shower. But I speak spiritually when I say that. And considering we're in the, the, the flesh. Not of the flesh. I mean, we're in the flesh, but we're not. We're in the world, but we're not on the, of the world. Repent. Repentance is so beautiful. The cleansing nature of repentance. Because if you sin and trespass and don't repent, do you know what happens to your heart? Spiritually speaking, do you know what happens to your heart? It gets hard. And a hard heart, it, it's the, a soft heart can easily receive the things of the Lord. Easily, a soft heart, softer and softer and softer. Satan doesn't want that to happen. He wants to have a nice shell over your heart, a nice hardening over your heart. And so the works of the flesh. Oh, yeah. You did the altar call when you were 10 and you're 20 now. Go ahead. Once saved, always saved. Go do the sex. Once saved, always saved. Go do the drugs. Once saved, always saved. Do you, you want to go to the strip club? I, by all means, go for it. Once saved, always saved. By all means, go for it. That's what Satan wants. And your heart is getting harder and harder and harder and harder. And we then we get to the point of Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, where the writer of Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says, Beware, brethren. Lest there be in, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Satan knows this verse. You see, Satan knows this verse. You get an idea in your head. Oh, yeah, my friend. 
friend, my best friend called me. I want, I want to go to the strip club with him. I haven't seen him forever. He's got the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico. I'm going to go hang out with him. We're going to go gambling. We're going to do all these things. You know what Satan says? Oh, by all means, go for it. Once saved, always saved. You're good to go. You did the altar call when you were 10. You're good to go. You speak gibberish in church and call it tongues. You're good to go. You see, it's a trap. Straight up trap. You know how many Christians have bit, bit. Remember, Satan's a fisherman too. They took the bait. Hook, line, and sinker, and Satan's a fisherman, a strong fisherman. But he doesn't catch the wise. He catches a lot of idiotes, but he doesn't catch the wise. Because the wise know, and the wise teach, and the wise pour in. As a father does to his children. Paul says, the Lord, in verse 21 will depress or humble me among you. And I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented. No repentance. Which means hard hearts. Which means unbelief. Unbelief. Okay, we'll come back to church. We'll go to church. Well, wait a second. We got to make sure we're following the formula. Remember Israel in our study? Just so happened we studied this in Deuteronomy on Wednesday. It just so happens. What? It's an 11-day journey and now we got to do 40 years? Okay, okay, we'll go fight the, we'll, we'll go, we'll go fight the, the, the Canaanites. Come on, let's go, guys. Put on your armor. Come on, let's go fight. No, no, no. The command of the Lord, don't go. Don't go. It's not in accordance to the formula. Remember, we need the blue juice. We need the blue juice and the puff. The way you're doing it, it's no no puff, no blue juice. Don't do it that way. But the formula has to be right. Repent, 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 repent. Keep your heart nice and soft. And you can receive the things of the Lord. The hard hearts. For 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. He doesn't give visions, no dreams, no miracles. He doesn't work that way. That was for the first century. That's not for today. You see? Hard hearts. Why? Nobody's taught. Where are the teachers? Where are the teachers? They think they're in fourth grade, but they got a little baby as the teacher. Who says, go ahead and take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. Who says, let's go grave soaking. Who calls glitter the Holy Spirit. Who says, God is done with Israel with this coalition. His nice coalition, you know, of this coalition. Look what the Bible says here of the preacher guy in chapter 11, verse 4. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you received a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel. And they come out with their coalitions, a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. What are people doing today? They're putting up with it. Gladly, too, with a nice smile on their face. Gladly. You see? Where are the warriors? Where are the warriors? You see? He says in closing in verse 21, the Lord will depress me or humble me among you and 
And I shall mourn for many who have not who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. You see, why do I have to repent of this uncleanness? Why do I have to repent of the fornication? I do my pornography. I do my sex. Yeah, I'm married. I got my five girlfriends on the side. I do my strip clubs. I go gambling. I do my, you know, the occult. I worship Buddha. I do these things. I go to yoga class. I do the hot yoga. I do this. I do that. And all these things. Uncleanness. Fornication. Lewdness. Which they have practiced you see performed repeatedly habitual sin oh don't judge lest you be judged keep reading brother keep reading sister what if somebody is telling you something what if somebody is correcting you who is crucified what if somebody is correcting you who has taken the plank away from his eye or what if a sister is correcting you who is crucified, who has taken the plank away from her own eye and can see clearly and who is biblically able and capable of correcting you? Will you not listen? You see? Oh, but once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. If once saved, always saved were biblical, why would Paul even say this? Because they'd be fine. They'd be good to go. You see? Why? He wouldn't say it. And he doesn't say it. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord testifies. The Spirit of the Lord testifies. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. What does Satan say? Oh, go ahead. Do your pornography. Go ahead. Go ahead. Cheat on your wife 10 times. Go ahead. Go to the strip clubs. Do your gambling. Do your occult. Do your tax cheat. Do all these things. Go ahead. Be a drunkard. Be a reviler. Be covetous. Go ahead. Be a thief. The, the Robin Hood generation. Oh, yeah. It's good. I'm going to steal from this guy so that, look, I, I, I can't afford this, so I'm going to go steal it. The Robin Hood mentality is still thieving. Oh, you don't have to repent. You did the altar call when you were 10 years old, so you're good to go. But what does the Bible say? Of this sort, of this sort, these works of the flesh, do not be deceived because such will not inherit the kingdom of God. You say, whoa, now you're going overboard. My pastor always told me that once saved, always saved. Get a new pastor. Get a new pastor and be cleansed by the Lord. I'll say this. I read it a lot and I'm going to do so again. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8 in closing. Luke chapter 8 in closing. And verse 13 says this, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear... Actually, verse 11. 
Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, just a short period of time, the short-term believer, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns, these are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. You see, no maturity, no growth. Baby forever. The perpetual baby. That's the danger of being a baby. How many times do you hear us say, if you're a baby, it's beautiful if you're born again today. If you were born again last week, beautiful. If you were born again last month, eh, it's still beautiful, but come on, let's go. Take my hand. Let's walk. If you're a baby for 10 years, not good. I don't want your heart to be like the thorns. Now the ones that fell among the thorns. These kind of thorns. The thorns in the side, good. As we studied in 2 Corinthians. These kinds of thorns, not good. But this is the remnant. This is the people of the way. The remnant according to grace, as prophesied in Romans 11. Verse 15, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Also translates as with endurance. You see, what is the condition of your heart? If you're a non-believer today, cut it out. Don't be unbelieving anymore. Be believing right here, right now. Today is the day of salvation. You listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you commit your life to him. Get in the ark with me. If you're playing games with the Lord, if you're lukewarm, and you know it. You like church, you like the Bible, but you also like the things of the world. You also like the crack, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the this, the that. Cut it out. Do that no more. Do not be unbelieving anymore, but be believing. Remember, we need the blue juice and the puff of smoke. You don't even have the puff of smoke. You don't even have blue juice. The formula has to be right. You see, and you also listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ and you recommit your life to him. Get in the ark with me and let us be a people, you and me together. We grow together until the harvest, which is coming to the beautiful people of the way. God bless you. I love you.